Hello, and welcome to another episode of Problem Solved, the IISE podcast. I'm David Brandt, Digital Marketing and Communications Manager for the Institute of Industrial and Systems Engineers. And throughout our fourth season, we're turning to the curious minds among IISE's societies and divisions about recent topics and trends driving the future of their respective fields. In this episode, members of IISE's Operations Research Division discuss techniques to address societal changes and create a better and more inclusive world with their guest, Laura Albert, Professor and Chair of the Industrial and Systems Engineering Department at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. to our uh, podcast. We're starting uh, this uh, new series for OR for Social Good. Uh, my name is uh, Carmel Chihari. I'm an assistant professor at uh, Lehigh University, Department of Industrial System Engineering. And I have here my uh, colleague, Yongjia. Hello, everyone. My name is Yongjia Song. Uh, I'm also a assistant professor uh, in uh, industrial engineering at Clemson University. So probably what the first thing that comes to your mind, what is OR for Social Good? So we choose to provide like a brief short uh, definition. It's basically using ORMS techniques to address societal challenges and create a better and more inclusive world. And it's not surprising today that we are hosting a superstar in this field. We have Dr. Laura Albert. She's the professor and department chair of industrial system engineering at the University of Wisconsin. Her research interests are in the field of operation research and analytics with application to homeland security, emergency response, and public sector problems. Uh, She has been awarded many uh, honors for her research, including the American Association for the Advancement of Science Fellow Award, IISE Fellow Award, the Informs Impact Prize, NSF Career, a Department um, of the of Army uh, Young Investigator Award, and the list go on. So without further ado, um, Laura will come to our podcast, and we're happy to have you today. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So I guess to start off uh, with something easy. We know that you know any sort of research uh, achievement is driven by um, your interest. So, what sparked your interest in uh, operation research in the first place? You say this is an easy question, but it was actually hard. And I was thinking about this. Um, I think, like many people, I kind of came to OR a little bit late in my life. I was in college. I was uh, an engineering major, and you know, took this course on design optimization that really made me realize how cool optimization was. And we were trying to solve engineering problems that were also physical engineering problems where we're optimizing the selection of several variables that interact and learning about how to do that and also how the algorithms that can help solve those types of problems. And I just knew I needed more. And the rest is history from there. So I'm very happy that I took that as an elective. That's cool. Can you tell us more what is OR for Social Good mean to you? And maybe briefly describe your academic and research journey uh, to this field. What makes you interested and why did you choose it? So if you can give us some more about this. Of course. Um, To me, OR for social good is something that uses OR for societally beneficial outcomes. And that is a big umbrella right there. Uh, To me, equity is a key part of that. And equity can come out in various ways, such as broadening participation or, or benefit or making sure everybody gets some minimum level of service or actually equalizing um, the allocation of resources. 
there's a lot of work to be done in OR for social good. I'll put that out there right up front. Uh, I do believe that as a discipline, we should be deciding and discussing what social good means. It's not really up to me. It's up to us as a community. And I hope we continue these conversations over time. You know, one thing to think about is who gets to say what is good. And we really need to broaden participation in these conversations to, to kind of get to where we want to go. Um, in terms of my professional journey in OR for social good, um, when I was a PhD student, I started in September 2001, and I started working with uh, Dr. Sheldon Jacobson at the University of Illinois on aviation security right when September 11th happened. And it doesn't really seem like maybe a social good application by today's standards, but back then it really was. When September 11th happened, it just we knew our world was not going to be the same ever again. We knew security was going to play a major role in our lives from there on out. And we knew new systems would be coming to provide that kind of level of security. It was so multifaceted, of course. It wasn't just an OR problem at all. OR plays a small but important part. Um, but it really was about making our world a better and safer place. And that really sparked my interest in using OR to benefit the world in some way, especially in the public sector, because those types of homeland security um, solutions that we were looking for at the time were going to be applied to everybody. And I was really drawn in and hooked. <laughs> and and soon thereafter, I'd go to the you know conferences and I'd be drawn to some of the applied talks. At the time, the healthcare cluster at conferences would usually be pretty small, but it also had this um, goal of making the world a better place. And I was really taken um, aback in a good way by seeing Al Bloomstein talk about his journey in policing and public sector research and public safety. And what was so cool about his work was that he was such a pioneer and using OR in new ways to benefit the public. And I knew as soon as I graduated and got on a tenure track position that I would continue to work in public sector applications. And I still am after all these years. Sounds great. So it seems that you have an initial interest in, I guess, math and uh, OR, and then you get into the interest of applications of social good. So over the years, because the topic of today is a combination of the two. So why do you think OR is uh, especially a, a kind of a, a suitable tool or a good solution methodology for this kind of application of social good? OR is a really, really powerful tool for social good. And right off the bat, I can think of two reasons for that. One is we build all these models. We're very model-centric. And I think that model-centric approach is really valuable for social good. Um, because with our models, we build these operational models where we where we capture all of these interconnected pieces. So you can see how this resource over here affects this inequity over here on the other side. And that is really important for actually kind of answering some of the questions and solving some of the problems in uh, social good. So these operational models that we build. Um, the second is we are really interested in trade-offs across multiple criteria. And this is really crucial because when we're looking at social good, we have multiple criteria and usually like you know, maximizing social good is not the objective function. And uh, we model at equity in different ways in our models. And we can we have such a good uh, suite of tools for kind of addressing these challenges in very rigorous ways. 
we don't have like a single approach either. Uh, we have many approaches to kind of get to the heart of that. And you put all this together and we're really, really effective at figuring out how to allocate limited resources to support decision-making in ways that is beneficial. Um, and that is usually what you need to do to affect social good because in almost all of the applications, you have very limited resources and you have to use them wisely. And guess who's experts at that? It's us. Yeah, thanks for saying that. Um, so, I mean, given that, it seems that's still like, uh, you know, associated problems are optimization problems. Maybe, right? But then what is different, right? How OR for social good is different from, you know, other applications? If we look at uh, any application, private sector business model, uh, military setting, right? Suppose we have like a model that consider equity or societal aspect and model that doesn't. So what does it make a difference, right? What makes a difference between the two? That's a really great question. I don't know that there's always such a huge difference in some of like the structural aspects of the model, although there can be. Um, I think the difference is kind of on the high level and the outlook and that you know, the social good models really focus on typically public goods and services, things that sort of benefit you know, everyone. Everyone has a stake in it. And that could be because it really is a public sector setting, but not always. You can think about the role that nonprofits play in the space. And even profit com private companies can, you know, focus on issues of sustainability or equity in serving their your customers if they're like a power company that, that really service um, services everybody. So there are aspects of that that are that are broader. Usually a lot of public sector or private sector um, applications are more you know, mission oriented, focusing on customers and profit, of course, or maybe their goal isn't to serve everyone. It's just to serve their customers and to get more customers, but, but maybe not expand that all the way to everyone. And that might be a core difference that affects the modeling choices and data and pretty much every aspect of the modeling and solution process. That's great. So it seems that you know, for private sector applications, um, because it's probably like profit driven or things like that, it might be easier to, to quantify uh, or evaluate the impact of the whatever research projects that's involved. But for social good or for public se sector, uh, how do we sort of evaluate the impact of a research project? Because at the end of the day, we don't just want to, you know, write a paper and then we want to see some follow up work and make an impact in the real world. So how do we evaluate that kind of impact? Yeah, that is is really hard. And there's a lot of different ways we can have impact in that space. Just when you're doing the research, you get evaluated in some of the typical ways, like who gets the grant funding and who and peer review, that type of process. But, you know, in terms of making an impact in practice, you can influence policy or legislation where they're not really taking your model and running it. They're taking the policy insights and affecting change in that way. We also can educate the public, which is kind of a surprising way to make a difference in that, that our tools are beneficial and should be used in certain spaces. Those are very like high level ways we can have impact. But of course, our tools actually could be used and taken by somebody to allocate resources in public settings. And that's happened a number of times. So that, that's a really big and broad question that you ask. I'll give you a couple of examples of applications that kind of are exciting to me for social good right now. One is political districting. Um, so you can imagine how this would have an impact 
and we can evaluate the impact on um, based on future political districts and whether representation occurs. Um, the second is human trafficking, and you can you know evaluate real world impact by tracking some of the numbers and um, of you know who is trafficked and how many people are trafficked, arrest rates, et cetera. Um, there's also like environmental and sustainability problems having to do with climate change, which is like one of the major issues of our day. And the last one's an old one, but it has a big impact. And I was thinking the, about matching markets for social good using you know kidney transplant change, kidney transplant chains, and school choice. Um, Al Roth pioneered that work, and he won the Nobel Prize. So we can always aim for the Nobel Prize. That's really cool. So, I mean, do you think then uh, we like where are we in in this area? Do you, do we need like new methodology, or do we need more people to work on, or where are we in in this you know field? Oh man, I hope social good is part of our present and our future. And it's been around for a long time, actually. I like reading about the history of OR. And it's like everything new or everything old is new again. And our in the 60s, they started looking at these public safety problems, which is like, you know, part of social good of how do we actually use our limited public resources to address some of these challenges that we had in the 60s. You know, it was a complicated time. And there was this ethos, I've been told, because I wasn't alive then, that we, if we could put a man on the moon and solve this truly technical challenge, why can't we also use those technical tools, turn them towards the earth and tackle messy, complex social problems? And I thought that was really great. And I actually really admire that about the history of our discipline, that we were really ready to embrace complexity and messiness right on the onset. And we've been kind of doing that ever since. And our tools work so well. And so I think theory and the computational work that we do provide people with a really rigorous technical training that they can jump into social good applications. And we see that time and time again, um, that it's very easy to get involved when the opportunity is there and the interest is there. Um, so if you haven't, I would one piece of advice that I would give is that if you haven't really found the social good application you're looking for, that one will definitely come your way at some point. So, I mean, given all of this experience, is there like any lesson you learned you you learned over the year that you know you can share with us uh, for someone who's working on the field or starting to work on this domain? Like any lesson that you've learned over the year, and you can you know share with us and others. Yeah, definitely along the lines of everything old is new again, is that these opportunities have continually come to the community in waves over time. And, you know, I see the very varied skill sets that we have in our community. And some of the opportunities are more beneficial for some than others. Sometimes you have to be in the right place at the right time, but there will be opportunities. Early in my career, I mentioned September 11th being right there when I was starting my PhD. And less than four years later, Hurricane Katrina hit, which was the most costly disaster in US history. It was just enormous. So in four years, we had like these two major catastrophic events that pulled a lot of people in the field to do important work. And you know, I've kind of seen those waves occur. I don't want as many catastrophes in the future, but there will be opportunities. Yeah, that that's very interesting um, because I'm also working in um, you know building models and methods for disaster relief kind of applications. So I'm really passionate about it. Um, but 
I think sort of from my personal sort of experience, especially on this topic of, you know, disaster relief and resilience, there are, you know, lots of agency like FEMA and others, uh, they are already sort of doing the job, you know, 24 seven. How do we as researchers help convince that, you know, we have, I guess, better tools, better approaches, or, you know, we can improve what they're doing. So how do, how do we build this kind of trust between, you know, these kind of government agencies and, and uh, OR researchers? That's a really good question. There's a couple things that come to mind. One is that we need to continue doing this advocacy work and telling, and telling government leaders that we have the tools and here are some of our big wins. And that, you know, develops relationships that builds trust. And I think the heart of building trust is about building relationships. Um, so these efforts of getting out of our bubbles in academia and getting out there and talking to people is really good. We can also write op-eds. We don't need to talk directly to people, but once they start reading about the solutions that we have, this is a good thing. Um, the second is to kind of do, do a lot of important work. A lot of the government agencies are very mission driven. They have to focus on so many risks. A lot of them are not nearly catastrophic. They're all very important. And they're really trying to solve the problem of the day. And we need to look a little bit further into the future. Of course, that makes a mismatch. <laughs> they don't that way some a problem way in the future is maybe not a priority to them right now. But if we do good work and it's out there, they can often discover it. And so not we don't want to want to always be driven by the problems of the day because by the time we get done with the research, they've may, maybe moved on. But to dream a little bit bigger and also to be a aspirational in the research we do. Um, maybe they can't control these decision variables over here right now, but in the future, if we demonstrate that there's a policy need that they need to rethink some of the assumptions they're making and we provide a big motivation through our research and we can, can really motivate some of that change. Um, a lot of times they're actually looking for ideas in the government and not so much about our specific technical solutions that we might have. So we have to shift the way that we kind of talk about our research to be more ideas driven. And I found that that often helps build trust. One uh, last question before we uh, conclude. So it just came to my mind that, you know, we're all teachers too. So we were talking about research and how we can help. When I was a student, I can't remember a course that taught me OR for social good, right? It's me reading and stuff like at least in the I, most IE curriculum, I don't see a course that teach about equity or fairness or any of you know these topics or how we can make the models more fair or equitable. Maybe there are, but I don't know about. So where do you think that we can help in even teaching the next generation about this topic? Although I think they are, you know, they can find the information and they are now like more aware of it. But in terms of teaching, uh, where do you see like OR for social good and what we need to do uh, to make it more of a topic that we introduce to students? That's a great question. It's crucially important that we educate the next generation. They really want this topic. You and I wanted this topic and we never had these topics taught in our courses when we were taking them. Um, I think there's a couple of ways we can do that. One is as a community in industrial engineers, we can develop case studies that we can share so we can infuse those topics in our courses. I think that's a really great place to start, um, including social good, equity, also ethics. I think having those conversations together is helpful. In a lot of applications of social good, there are some pretty important legal constraints 
that inform what we can do and what we can't do and where we can run into trouble. That also can be an important part of the conversation. And if we can start with case studies, you can imagine building one case study for a course you're going to teach in a year that, you know, that might be pretty sustainable. I think it's crucial to get it into the required courses and the required courses are typically not OR for social good. They're typically deterministic optimization, stochastic optimization simulation. So if we want students to be exposed, it has to be in the required courses. The second thing is we have to talk about applications. And sometimes uh, when I'm teaching student and I go to a conference, students will ask me about the conference. And I talk about some cool talks that have to do with social good and things that I've seen because they only can learn about my research from me. But if I talk about other talks I've seen, that, that's been really helpful. Um, and there's a lot of research showing that when students are exposed to applications. If one of those applications clicks, that really builds their intrinsic motivation to learn. And so bringing applications into the course, um, it could be guest speakers, they can be your colleagues in your department, right? Right now, if you have to miss a class for a conference, have somebody just talk about cool research applications for a class. Um, And that can kind of get the conversation going. And of course, podcasts like this are great because then you can also share these with your students if they want to learn a little bit more. So thank you for doing this. Sure, it's our pleasure. Um, And um, I guess I have one more uh, sort of off off the script question that just came to my mind. So basically, we have, you know, many different disciplines that, you know, can be used to address social good challenges uh, or challenges in social good uh, topics. Um, what do you think that IE or OR should sort of collaborate with to, you know, expand the the expertise and expand the research efforts on this domain? Oh, this is a really good question. And this is actually something that we should bring into the classroom. Um, one of the things that sets us apart as industrial engineers is that we do focus on system problems and we really work with others a lot. And the, your students will work with others a lot. Um, in the workplace. And of course we work with others uh, when we do the research. So just being exposed to that, of that that is the norm and that's you know expected is really helpful. And that's something that you can bring into the classroom by talking about who you would, they would need to collaborate with in some of these case studies and potentially even you know inviting in um, others, guest speakers that are outside the discipline can be good, although they might not be able to speak to OR in as, as much detail. Uh, but we shouldn't be ta- shy about talking with our friends in the social sciences, even those doing qual- you know qualitative research. There's a lot to be learned there. And I learn a lot from social scientists um, and also you know, lawyers that might know the legal aspect. And we should set the expectation that that's just part of the job of being an industrial engineer. That is great. I think that's all the questions we have. I really enjoyed our conversation and thanks Laura again for joining us and sharing your wonderful personal um, experience on this topic. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Thanks a lot, Laura. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. You've been listening to Problem Solved, the IISE podcast, a production of the Institute of Industrial and Systems Engineers in Norcross, Georgia. We hope you'll share this and other Problem Solved episodes with your friends and colleagues. Learn more about sponsorship and advertising opportunities, as well as how you can become a member of IISE by visiting podcast.iise.org.